Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. our virtual gathering this morning. We're so glad that you decided to tune in with us. Uh, Whether you are here for the very first time, uh, we want to welcome you to church. This is church as we know it. Uh, Or if you have been part of Light Church for a long time, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad that we can still gather together in a time like this. And uh, even though things are crazy, we hope that you are safe. We've been praying for you. Uh, We've been uh, trying to help as many people as possible. And it's been amazing to meet so many of you. So if you have found us today uh, on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, maybe you've stumbled across us or maybe you heard about us through our community care response. Like I said, we're so glad that you could join with us today. We're going to be talking a little bit about tests and how in testing times, uh, we can reframe the position that we find ourselves in and find a new perspective. So we're going to be talking about that today. I'm excited and my prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged you leave feeling inspired, and you leave feeling a little bit more hopeful about the journey forward. And that actually we can begin to find a new perspective about the way that we look at difficult times. So if you have a Bible, can you turn to John chapter 12? If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, I'm going to be reading it out. Uh, But here we find a really interesting story, a really interesting uh, situation where Jesus is with his disciples. And uh, we're going to jump into this today. And I'm excited to see what God wants to say to you, because I believe he wants to speak to you today. Whoever you are, whether you've known him or whether you're hearing this for the first time, I believe that God wants to speak to you. Let's read this, John chapter 12. We're going to read from verse 2. It says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Verse 7. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. We're going to jump into this in just a second, but if you would pray with me this morning. Father God, I want to thank you for this opportunity. I want to thank you that even though we cannot gather together, that you are present in every single household watching this screen. God, I thank you that you want to speak to us today, that you are alive and that you are working. God, I thank you that you are the God that makes a way where there is no way, that in this, these situations that are upside down and a little bit chaotic and crazy, God, I thank you that you find a way through that, you make a way through that for us. God, I pray today that we would hear your voice as we lean into your word. We thank you that it is relevant today as the day it was written. God, I pray we leave this this video feeling inspired and equipped to live the life that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, I'm so, so glad that we can still gather like this. I say it all the time. I love it. I love the fact that we can still build community even though we are not together. We've used the term quite a bit that even though we're in isolation, we don't need to be isolated. So I love that we can, we can be like this. But this morning, I'll ask you a question. I wonder what your relationship with tests is like. Now, we always, we've always experienced tests, whether it be an exam, like a driving test, or whether it be like a medical test, like an examination or something like that, uh, or whether it's maybe like a metaphor for like a trying time, like a difficult time. We often call them testing times. Uh, we, we all have a relationship with tests. There's something that are common that we experience. Uh, you went to school, you experienced tests on many different levels. I, for me, I was thinking about this recently, about my relationship with tests, and uh, I remember just a moment that, that stuck out, and I realized actually this was more common than I probably would like to admit, but I found quite often that in tests, I would find things funny and begin to giggle in times I really shouldn't be giggling. I don't know whether you can relate, but when you're not supposed to be laughing is the times you find it the most funny. I remember in a, in a music exam, we had this sort of theory exam. You had to sit, you had to listen to some music, and you had to analyze it and write different things about it. And uh, I, I just have this vivid memory. I think I was in year 11. I was doing my GCSEs. Uh, so I would have been 15, 16 years old. And uh, the music came on, The Great Escape. And it's this, you know, it's this really regal sounding, triumphant sounding music. Anyway, this music came on. And in our exams, we'd have these invigilators that would walk around the room. And more often than not, they were grumpy. And they kind of had this aura that you didn't want to cross them because you know, you would be, you'd be done for it. And I, I remember this one invigilator. She was the grumpiest invigilator ever. I mean, just, you know, someone who just seemed to have woken up on the wrong side of the bed every day. Like, any time we saw, she was grumpy. Now, I, I just have this vivid memory. This music came on. And she would often kind of, like, prowl around the room looking out for anyone cheating or whatever it might be, you know, someone who puts a hand up to go to the toilet so she could tell them no. Uh, but she, she was grumpy, but this, this music, The Great Escape, came on. And uh, the, the, the first few bars of the music, she was stood there in her grumpy state, and I just clocked the fact that she just started tapping her foot. At first, I just noticed it and carried on my work, and I looked up again, and she seemed to develop as the music went on, and she was looking up, she began to smile a little bit, and she was just, she forgot that she was an invigilator. She forgot that she was grumpy, but she was just, it was like she was lazing the great British flag as she was listening to this music, and it, I just started to giggle. And the guy who was sat across from me, he also saw what I was seeing, and we both began to giggle. And it was one of those moments where we had to keep our heads down, because if she saw us, we would have had some serious trouble to pay. But it was one of the funniest experiences ever. And I just remember knowing that these tests were so serious, we couldn't be laughing in it. And then I was thinking, this is more common than I realized. I remember this was last year. I was in a test in an ancient Greek class. So I was learning about ancient Greek, which is uh, the, the language that the New Testament was written in. It was an interesting class. It was one of the hardest classes I'd ever taken. Anyway, we had an exam, and they had all these like vocab words, and they had all these different things that we had to write down. And it was, it was one of the most difficult classes, one of the most difficult exams I ever had to sit. And we were on these tables in twos. And I 
was just cracking on with the stuff. I'd done my revision. I was confident enough as much as you could be in an ancient Greek class. But I look up and there was a guy who was sat in front of me. Now, I don't know if you can write, but if you have ever seen someone despairing, like usually you would have sympathy. But for some reason, I found this one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. This guy, this guy, he had clearly not done a single bit of revision. He must have thought, I can wing this. I can, I can get by. But I mean, it's like you either know Greek or you don't. It's not something you can just make up. And he was, he'd be reading and he'd like look around and he would, he was itching his head and he just had pure dread on his face. Like, what have I got myself into? Anyway, I just found this one of the funniest experiences ever. I had my head down. I had tears dripping onto my paper. The woman next to me, she was crying her eyes out with laughter at this guy who was just freaking out. Like anytime he would read a new question, he'd be like, no, I can do this. I can do this. And then he'd just. It just made me giggle. And it's funny because, like, we all react to tests in different ways, don't we? And it was, just, it was just a funny thought that actually it was a little theme in my life that I often got the giggles. I'd often find myself laughing in these, in these little scenarios. But you know what's interesting about tests? What's interesting about tests that we face in our life, whether it's a stupid exam like that or whether it's a medical test or whatever it is. See, tests don't add anything to you. They reveal what's already within you. You know, a test doesn't give you something new. It doesn't teach you something. It just tests you. It sees what you already have inside of you. It reveals what already lies within you, like a driving test. It doesn't give you any new skills to, of driving. It just reveals the ones that you already have or do not have. The theory test, it doesn't give you new skills. It reveals what you know or don't know about the roads. I think this is interesting about tests. Because actually, I want to suggest this morning that we live right now in what I want to call testing times. We, we use this a lot, don't we? Like, oh, you know, they were, they've been testing times. And what we mean by that is it really tests what we're made of. In times like this, we begin to see what is inside of us. It, the, the things that lie within us begin to become revealed. We are exposed Maybe there's some things in you that you're noticing right now that you maybe didn't know were in you. We have a lot of time to think. We have a lot of time to assess, to reevaluate our life at the moment because we have time. We have a lot of our hobbies, a lot of our things that we've done have been stripped away. And now we have time to look into the mirror and to have a look at some things in our life. And the thing about testing times is they show us what already lies within us. I wonder right now, I could ask you this question this morning. What is it that is coming out of you? What is it that you are noticing? Are you happy with the things that are being exposed? Maybe there's elements of anger, elements of bitterness. Maybe there's some insecurity or some pride or maybe even some identity. Maybe in this time you're noticing, actually, I'm not as secure as I thought I was. When the thing that I do, I can't do anymore, who am I? And you know what? If you feel in that place this morning, that's okay. Uh, let me just read this little passage from, from James. James 1, 2-4. This is what he says. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So let's jump into this real quick. James is saying, consider it pure joy, 
our brothers and sisters when you face trials, when you face tests. I mean, firstly, I love the idea here. He is not saying consider it joy if you experience tests and times, if you experience trials. He's saying consider it pure joy when you encounter trouble, when you encounter trials, when you are tested. I mean, if you were sat here this morning thinking life is going to be easy, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but life is not always going to be easy. You are not going to be able to laugh all the time. You are not going to be able to just live on that cloud nine all the time. Life can be really difficult. It can be painful. It can be chaotic. Maybe you're experiencing that this morning. But James says, consider it pure joy. Now, can I just hold up here a second? If testing times reveal what is inside of us, can I say you cannot change things about you that you do not know? So when a, a, a trial comes, when a test comes along, you have an opportunity to look at the things inside of you and either make a change or ignore it. To make a change of the things that you see or decide I'm just going to bury my head in the sand with that one. Now it's interesting, James says, consider it pure joy. Can I just say, this is not a false enthusiasm. It is not a fake excitement. It is not a belittlement of the situation you face. It is not, a, oh, I'm just going to be happy because uh, I'm a Christian and we're so blessed. And that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, find you know, this excitement and joy and pretend that everything is okay. Now he's saying, consider it pure joy. Consider this idea. Consider that it could be joyful. Now listen here. He's, he is not saying, uh, okay, everything will be okay because you've decided. He is saying, when you face trials, when you face testing times, recognize the significance. The joy is not in false enthusiasm. The joy is found in the recognition that this is an opportunity to grow. The joy is found in the recognition of significance. This could be a significant moment. The joy is found in the fact that there is hope beyond the place that you find yourself in. Why? Because he says the testing of your faith builds perseverance. And what's perseverance? It is the ability to keep going. And he says if you can, can keep going, you will be mature and you will not lack anything. So often in our lives, I see so many people who start out really well. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a family. Maybe it's a new direction of life or whatever it might be. They start so well, but they just don't have the ability to keep going. You know what? When we encounter these tests in times, it gives us an opportunity to see what we are made of. And when we notice that actually, ah, oh, there's some areas that I need, to, I need to change here. I need to get right here. If I'm going to be able to last the distance, go the distance, if I'm going to be in this for the long haul, I need to adjust some things, but you can't change what you don't know. So I want to encourage you this morning, when you find yourself in a difficult situation, I don't say if, I say when. When you find yourself in a difficult situation, as we find ourselves in a difficult situation right now, you cannot change what you don't know. Allow this time to show you things in your life. And you know what? Maybe we can make the change we need to make, and we can be in this for the long haul. We're going to jump into this passage from John, and I think this is an incredible passage, and we don't have time to, to extrapolate all the truth from it, all the amazing stuff from it. I want to encourage you to go and read it yourself and go and study, because it is an incredible, incredible passage, just lined with gold. But this morning, I want to bring two thoughts to us, two thoughts that I think can help reframe the, the, 
the condition we find ourselves in that can reframe these trials and these tests that face us. Here are my two thoughts for us this morning. The fragrance is released when the vessel is broken. And waste is determined by perspective. They might sound strange, but hang in here. We're going to dig into this. The fragrance is released when the vessel is broken. Let's look at this passage in John. Verse 3, it says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So a little bit of context, a little bit of backstory here. In Jesus' time, they would have these like really expensive oil perfumes. And they would keep them in what they called an alabaster jar. And uh, the alabaster jar would have a long neck and it would be sealed to make sure that the perfume is kept as best it can be to preserve it. Now, these perfumes were used for all sorts of things. Uh, Some of them were used for burials, and this is mentioned in this passage, or some of them were used uh, to anoint people as they were to enter into a household or into a temple or something like that. And uh, so these were expensive. And the, the alabaster jar, it kept the perfume good, and the only way that you could get into the perfume was to break the neck of the jar. And to break the neck of the jar, you would be unsealing, you would be opening this jar. And it says in this passage that as they were all sitting at the table, they were eating. Now, in those times, it was common for people to be anointed as they were to come in. It was just custom. They would anoint them with a little bit of oil or perfume on their forehead. But it says that as they were eating, Mary breaks open. Now, this narrative is seen in three other In the other three of the Gospels, some of them, there's lots of controversy around it, but essentially it's talked about in the other Gospels. And one of them, it says, she breaks the jar because it's the only way in. Mary breaks the jar and she pours the perfume over it. In one passage, it says over Jesus' head and over his feet and she wipes his feet. Now, obviously, the symbolism here is huge. She's honoring Jesus. She She is undignified. She's let her hair down. She's wiping his feet. With her hair, this is just a crazy picture of sacrifice and of honor and of love. And we won't get into that this morning. But she breaks the perfume. Then there's a real beautiful line here. And it says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now this really spoke to me, this passage. This idea is that to release the perfume, the vessel had to be broken. The vessel was made for that purpose, but it had to be broken to release the sweet fragrance of the perfume. Can I suggest to you this morning that the things that God has put in you sometimes require you to be broken before that sweet fragrance of the spirit, that sweet fragrance of hope can rise up from the ashes of your situation. Sometimes things in our life must break before the things God has set inside of us can can be freed be activated. Fragrance is released when the vessel is broken. So my heart is to bring hope into this situation this morning that even when you feel broken, it is the perfect condition for the sweet fragrance of what God has set inside of you to rise up. Let's let's go back. Let's look into this. If you don't believe me, if you're just thinking this sounds strange, what are you talking about? Let's look at this. So let's go right back to the beginning. In Genesis 2, it's Genesis 2 verse 7, it says that God created or formed man from the dust and then he breathed life into him. He breathed 
his breath. The breath of God was breathed into humanity. We have the breath of God living inside of us. The life that we have in our souls is the very breath of God. Listen to this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, and God set eternity at the heart of man. You know what this tells us? That there is a space. There is something at the core of humanity that cannot be pushed around by temporal circumstance. There is an element of transcendence at, at, at the very core of humanity. At our essential being is something eternal. We believe that there is life after death. The part of us that lives on is untouched by the temporal circumstance. Our deepest essential core is eternal. So if we believe that, if we believe that God breathed life into us, that this thing lasts beyond all the stuff that we see and experience, I find it interesting actually that we begin then in our lives to cover that essence. We cover that thing that God has set deep inside of us. We begin to wrap our soul in stuff. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's insecurity. Let's look at that perfume for a second. If the perfume is the eternity that God has breathed inside of us, the purpose, the hope, the significance, the gifting, the talents, the stuff that he has given you, the thing that's essential to your core, we begin to wrap it in these things. We begin to build these little lives for ourselves and the jar gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And, and the, the perfume, the sweet fragrance of the perfume is muffled and it is choked and it's held in this deep, deep jar. We begin to hide away who we are. Maybe it's a fear of rejection. Maybe it's just because we just don't know who we are. Maybe we just be, go through life and we get hurt and we begin to just thicken that jar. The walls of that jar get thicker and thicker and thicker. And then all of a sudden, something sideswipes us. Something breaks us. might be something that triggers like a death in your family. It, it might just be something, even like a situation like this where we find ourselves at home in isolation and the things that we do are robbed from us. Our cracks begin to form in our neat little worlds. The things that we put up for ourselves, our reputations, our relationships, our finances, these things that we think add value to us, the things that we put our identity in, we, we begin to muffle that little sweet fragrance that God breathed into us. And then our cracks begin to form. And then all of a sudden, we just shatter and things fall down and we just find ourselves in a little pile of rubble. Often we call this rock bottom. I don't know if you can relate if you have ever experienced rock bottom. But you know what? When we find ourselves in that place, that sweet fragrance, that life, that hope that God has breathed into us in the inception of humanity begins to rise, begins to be released. Listen to this in John 3 verse 30, it says, he must become greater and I must become less. You know, when we build these little lives for ourselves, when we put our security in anything other than God, this prayer, this, this voice of John here where he says, God, you must become more and I must become less, it's basically just saying, God, release the stuff that you breathed in me and just, just you have your way and all my stuff, just let it fall down. Just let it become nothing. When we find ourselves in these broken, seemingly hopeless situations, they are the perfect conditions. 
to rise to that sweet fragrance of life. To that transcendent part of us that cannot be touched by circumstance. To begin to take root. Have you ever noticed one of those people that maybe you look at and they've been through a horrendous situation? People come to mind. I, I know people that have experienced some real hurt. And have you ever just noticed how some people just come out of those situations more graced and more just like they had just worn it so well? They didn't come out of it bitter. They didn't come out of it like dragging themselves out. But they came out with a sweetness, with a lightness. When we learn to actually, when we are broken, it is the perfect condition for God to do his redeeming work. We come out of difficult situations. We come out of testing times with just a renewed sense of God's goodness. A renewed sense of the hope, the life, the freedom, the purpose, the significance that we get within us. That's a beautiful thing. And then so what? So what does this mean for us? It means that as we sit in these times, there is hope. That what God breathed, what God started, he will not leave us. He will not let it just fade away. But he will bring it into being all that it was made to be. The thing that he has set inside of us. I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to experience that sense of hope today. That even in the rubble of our brokenness, God is sweet fragrance of the perfume still perhaps when the vessel has been broken this is a message of hope today when you feel broken the sweet fragrance of God will leak into the earth can I encourage you to lean into it my second thought is waste is determined by perspective I think this is interesting let's just dive back into this this passage of John here in verse 4 it says But one of his disciples, so this was after Mary broke the jar, says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Like I said, we do not have time to jump into all the amazing truth in this passage. But I just have one side thought. I could go off into so many, but listen to this. So often the voice of conviction is actually the voice of condemnation. Judas says to Mary, what are you doing? You could have given this to the poor. And it sounds like a righteous thing to say, but really, he was a thief. He was a selfish person. The reason he was saying that, not because he actually cared about the poor, but because he was greedy, he wanted the money for himself. So often in your life, you will hear voices that sound like they know what they're talking about. Sound like they are telling you something to do in a right way. Like, oh, why don't you do this? Or, hey, why aren't you doing this? And actually, can I encourage you to know the difference? Know that the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, you are better than this. Hey, that there is another way you can live your life. There is another way you can do this. And the voice of someone who is insecure and caught up in their own situation and is trying to project that onto you. Can I encourage you to know the difference? Because they can often sound very similar. Judas sounded like he was saying the right thing, but really he was condemning her because he was greedy. Just a thought. Anyway, let's jump back into this perfume. So this perfume was very expensive. It said it was a year's wages. Now often people would invest in perfume because they were an easy investment. 
They were things that people would buy, families would buy, because when they would travel, when they would move house, they weren't lots of things to keep hold of. It was a wise investment. You could sell it for quite a lot of money. So families would buy these. They would keep them in their house. They would age and they'd be worth money. But also, this was a was an apparent, even more expensive perfume than just a normal perfume. It says it was worth up to 500 denarii. Listen to this. This could have been the very thing that Mary had been passed by her own mother. Something that was passed down through the family. It was very expensive, worth a year's wages. Mary breaks open this pot and she pours the whole thing on Jesus' feet. And I find this so interesting. Judas looks at this situation, not just Judas and some of the other passages says the other disciples were out with him. But Judas is the one that speaks up and he says, you could have given this to the poor. What a waste. You know what's interesting is that actually Jesus rebuked Judas because his perspective on this was so different. Where Judas saw a waste, Jesus saw a big, like exuberant act of love. What Judas saw as something just being poured down the drain, why would you waste it in that way? Jesus saw as an outpouring of love. And this just made me think, this is interesting. They both looked at the same situation, the same event, and they both came to two different conclusions. See, I think waste is determined by our perspective. There is an interesting sort of energy in this passage here, like just an interesting dynamic going on. See, the disciples had obviously journeyed with Jesus. They knew who Jesus was, but they didn't fully understand the significance When Mary pours this perfume on Jesus' feet, it's kind of a symbolic anointing, which we could go into. It's about his his death, and we look at we looked at last week on Easter Sunday. But you know, there's lots of symbolism going on here. But just simply, Mary understood who Jesus was. She knew the significance of who Jesus was. What other people saw as a waste, it was just an outpouring of love. It was a recognition of who Jesus was. And this made me think, you know, in this passage, we might look at this perfume and think, well, Judas has a point, you know. They could have sold it and given it to the poor. It's quite a big gesture, isn't it? It's like years' wages, that's a lot of money. In the same way, we could look at the very blood of Jesus, the precious, unblemished blood of Jesus, That God stepped down into human history. He took on skin and bones and he walked on this earth. And he went to the cross and he died and his blood was shed for you and for me. We could look at this situation and say, what a waste. He did that for us. But when the world sees this ultimate display of hatred this ultimate display of torture and death, Jesus sees as the ultimate display of love. And he did it for you and for me. It says in Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still broken, while we were still messed up, he poured out his blood this picture of Mary pouring out this, this priceless perfume, something that was just so expensive and just seemed like a waste. Jesus poured out his blood for you and for me because he loves us with such a depth. 
such a depth that he would go through this unbearable, this crazy, horrific scenario for you and for me. Waste is determined by perspective. You know, in our life, I want to encourage you. You could so easily look at situations and see them just as a waste. But can I encourage you to just flip your perspective. When we look at these things through the eyes of faith, Judas was looking through the eyes of his greed, through the eyes of his flesh, through the eyes of just the way that the world would look at things. But Mary understood things through the eyes of her faith. I mean, let's just quickly look at this for a second. What would it look like if we were to begin to look at life through the eyes of faith? Take this scenario for a second. Take this condition, these these circumstances we find ourselves in right now. Like, think about it. These are difficult times. It's so easy to be like, oh, we have wasted our time. What about all the momentum that we build up? What about all the good things that were going on? What about all the stuff I could be doing right now? This is such a waste. What a waste of 2020. It started so well, and look at it now. I've seen so many memes of things going really well, like a snowboarder gracefully going down a mountain, and suddenly he trips and he starts to tumble and tumble and saying, oh, this is 2020. It's so easy to write this year off. I saw a friend of mine preaching the other day, and he said, you don't just read the first chapter of a book because you, you haven't got to the end. And he says, your book is not finished. This is not done. This is not a write-off. This is not a waste. There is another chapter. There is another page. There is more to your life. There is more to this year. There is more to your future than all you're experiencing now. The perspective of faith sees future. It sees hope. All is not lost. Your business is not lost. Your family is not lost. Your progress is not lost. Your health is not lost. You might be experiencing some knockbacks. But can I encourage you, there is more that we have not yet seen. When we look at life through the eyes of faith, everything changes. Waste is determined by perspective. What could you be doing ahead of time? If, tr- if testing times, if trials reveal things in us, can I encourage you to work on yourself? Get close to God. Ask him if you've never asked him before. God, I want to know who you are. I want to know you in a deeper way. Waste is determined by perspective. You can look at things through the eyes of faith and you will see future. Or you can look at things through the eyes of the world and you will just see death. You will just see brokenness. That's my challenge to you this morning. What are you looking at this situation with? What is your perspective? I said at the beginning, my hope is that we find a new perspective to face these times with. And that is the perspective of faith. Mary understood who Jesus was. When she broke that perfume, it was an honoring experience. It was not something she thought, oh, I'm going to get this back. I hope Jesus rewards me for it. She wasn't worried. She just wanted to pour out her love. She wanted to pour out her thanksgiving. She wanted to honor Jesus for all that he was. I want to read a passage here. As we come into close from Isaiah 61, verses 2 to 3. And in this time, I want to talk about the nature of our God. Listen to this. It says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort those who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. 
the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of, instead of a spirit of despair. The nature of our God is he wants to turn brokenness into wholeness. He wants to turn despair into hope. He wants to turn death into life. He wants to turn your brokenness. He wants to turn your situation into a situation of honor, a situation of significance, a situation of, of just hope and peace. He wants you to know him today. I love this passage. It says, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Maybe your life feels like ashes. Maybe your situation right now feels like ashes. You just feel like you're, you're looking around at like the smoldering remains of what once was. There are my dreams. There was the family I'd hoped for. There was the business I hoped for. That, that was the life I hoped for. That was the thing that I once dreamed of. Maybe you're just looking around and feeling like, God, this isn't the life I thought I was going to have. Well, I have hope for you this morning. Is that God, the God that you serve, he wants to give you a crown of beauty. He wants to take all of your ashes, all of your brokenness, all of that stuff. He wants you to rebuild the ashes. He wants you to rebuild the stuff into beauty. Our God turns ashes into beauty. So can I encourage you, whatever you're facing, hope is not lost. There is still a tomorrow. There is still a future. Your best days are ahead of you. Can I just say that whatever you are facing, God is with you. He has not left you. He will not forsake you. He is walking right beside you and he wants to take your brokenness and he wants to give you beauty. Do you know him this morning? I have just two thoughts to close. Maybe you are listening to this and you just have thought, you know what, I need to reframe my perspective on this. I just need to see through the eyes of faith. I want to encourage you, your response this morning is a simple prayer. God, help me see this situation. Help me see my trials. Help me see my tests through the eyes of faith. And let me encourage you, your situation, your perspective will shift. And you will see once obstacles, you will see opportunities. Once you will see brokenness. And now you will see hope. You will see beauty. And a second thought to close. Maybe you've listened to this message and you think, you know what, Dan? I, I want to meet that God who gave his son to die on a cross and rise again for my brokenness, for my sin, for my shame. I want to meet him today. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. You can pray a very simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my brokenness. I give you my hurt, my pain. I give you my chaos. Jesus, I give you my life. And our God promises that he'll take it and he will do something with it. Have you given Jesus your life? Have you accepted that all that he did on the cross was for you and your sin? Because he loves you. We are all sinners. We all fall short. And every single one of us needs a savior. Do you know him this morning? Pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Father God, I want to thank you for our time together. I thank you that you are the God who never leaves us. God, help us to reframe this perspective. Reframe 
these circumstances that we find ourselves in. God, I thank you that you offer beauty for brokenness. God, I pray this morning for those who prayed that simple prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. I pray that you would meet them in such a profound way this morning, that they would just be flooded with love, flooded with peace, flooded with just a freedom they've never experienced before. God, that is our prayer for everyone listening under the sound of my voice right now. Let us experience your freedom and your life. We love you, God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your hopefulness this morning. God, I thank you that there is always more with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we really want to hear from you. We want to we want you to be encouraged that there are people praying for you. There are people standing with you. If you want to email us, there's uh, some, a couple of guys at the end of this message who are going to jump on here and uh, just encourage you and let you know how you can connect in with us, how you can subscribe to these videos, and how you can make sure you don't miss another one of these virtual gatherings. Uh, they're going to encourage you to respond. If you responded to this message, to get in touch. We've loved spending this time with you. We're so thankful you decided to tune in with us this morning. We're so thankful that we can still gather as a church in this time. We love you. We're praying for you. And there is always hope. There is always hope. Won't you be encouraged this morning? We will see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.